You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS 4 Podcast Conference Room. Welcome to another Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Here in the studio is Joe Hopkins and myself, Dave Griffiths. Joining us via the power of Beach Grove Wi-Fi is Mike Chappell, as always. Um, happy Veterans Day to all. Thank you for everyone who has served, who you may be listening to this podcast where we are all in your debt. And uh, since I have the microphone, I get the chance to say a special shout out to, uh, to my brother who served in the Marines, to both my grandparents who served in World War II. Uh, truly, truly grateful for, for all your service. And one day is hardly enough to honor everything you do, but certainly we do. Uh, we do thank you for, for your service. And we'll touch on a little bit that uh, this week about uh, some things that Jim Irsay has had cooking. Uh, there as well. But uh, we'll also uh, talk about the Colts, of course, aiming to get to 500 this week with a win over the Jaguars. Uh, we've got an injury update, keys to the game. We'll make some predictions, uh, see exactly what Jacksonville's been doing over the last couple weeks after really struggling to start the season. Uh, teaser, they're not struggling as much anymore, not nearly over the past three weeks. But uh, nevertheless, uh, let's let's start with the news and uh, what I led off with. Uh, on Wednesday, Jim Irsay uh, presented, uh, was presented the 2021 Community Ambassador of Hope, awarded by the Hope Depression Research Foundation for his kicking the stigma efforts to raise awareness uh, for mental health disorders. Jim also, uh, Mr. Ursay, donated $500,000 to Darius Leonard's Maniac Cares Foundation fundraiser. And uh, today, Thursday, um, uh, Jim Ursay announced a $500,000 commitment to the Gary Sinise Foundation uh, Avalon Network, which is a cognitive health and mental wellness network that provides care to veterans and first responders. You add to that Carson Wentz with his Thy Kingdom Crumb food truck to downtown Indy serving meals to the community all the way until they ran out of food. Uh, Mike, this was a, certainly a week. Um, not not uh, not abnormal by by any standard with uh, the Colts, what they do in the community, but certainly one where a lot of things are are kind of taking center stage of what they've uh, they've been giving back. And Jim Irsay, in, in no small part, making his presence very much known in, in giving back to multiple avenues uh, in the community. Yeah, and I'm sure there's other players who did other things as well. These are the ones that were just more out out there for people to see. But and we've talked a lot about this. Uh, Whatever people's perception, Jim Irsay is, and there's there's wide ranging ones across the country. Most of them are wrong. The narratives because of uh, it, it's so much reflected on on what is how his father was. But Jim Irsay in this community has done so much uh, that we see, so much that we don't see. And when you see Darius Leonard doing what he's doing, and he's so open about his struggles uh, off the field, and, and with all and Carson Wentz coming here. It's really cool to see these guys uh, invest themselves personally and financially in, in the community. Uh, that's what, and they really, you know, yes, they get notarized, not, they get noticed for it, but I think they do it from the heart, which is which is why you should do it in the first place. But uh, kudos to these guys for really reaching out and embracing the community. Yeah, uh, Joe, you have guys who are like like Chap said, like really. Uh, in areas that, that really touch them specifically, like Darius Leonard with his Maniac Cares Foundation, really for Indianapolis public schools and other local causes, uh, a kid who grew up in South Carolina in, in the public school system there, but now giving back here to his current community where he lives. Um, so so areas where people really, really have been impacted themselves in their lives and want other kids who come to the future to have better experiences than them. Yeah, it's great to see guys who come from elsewhere, you know, kind of make Indianapolis their home in that aspect and really give back and show that they care. 
about the, the the community that supports them at the end of the day and shows up to the games and cheers for them. Uh, it was cool to see Carson out there, and man, Carson's got quite the week coming up. That's true. Carson Wentz and his wife Madison expecting their second child this weekend. Uh, Wentz has no intention, by the way, of missing Sunday's game. We'll throw that out there. I think the baby is technically due on Sunday, like on game day. But uh, Carson, when uh, when the topic was broached on Wednesday, uh, he he made made sure to note that hey, we we've talked about it and like they've made plans here in house to to miss either practices or meetings or whatever. But uh, there there are no plans to to miss the game. And uh, if you have a problem with that, well, that's your problem because uh, Carson says it's okay. His wife says it's okay. DeForest Buckner came out and said if his wife was in the same situation, she'd be telling him to go play. So, uh, I mean, Mike, NFL players are like it's it's a different commitment to play in the NFL and certainly a different breed of wife to to be be alongside some of these guys. And you get to see that, I guess, in this situation that um, there it may be a different experience than some people who are who are fans of the team or cover the team. But it is not. I'm I'm not saying. Well, I'm not going to say anything. Right, uh, what I was just thinking. But uh, let's just go with uh, it's. It's a scenario that is just a little bit different than what you might expect. Well, and, and like you said, it, it's a personal decision between Carson Wentz and his wife Madison. I mean, if if if, if they're fine with however this came out, then who are we to, to criticize and? Exactly. I'm telling you, there, there was a, there, there was a lot of reaction on Twitter about about this and, and negative Carson Wentz and and I have to imagine that if, that if he had come out and said you know we, we we've talked about this and it's really important and, and if this happens on game day I will be at the hospital he'd got ripped for that how dare you abandon your teammates and all this stuff so just why can't we just let this be a personal issue and and, and go from there. Again, DeForest Buckner's wife, he said his wife would say, no, go play. This this is what you do. So it, it, it's their decision. And I, I always go back with, with Carson Wentz that there there is a faction, a, a, a loud faction. I think it's a it's a minority, a, a small a small minority, but very loud. Whatever he does, it, it's not going to be good enough. On the field, he can end up with 30 touchdowns and three interceptions, and people still won't believe him, believe in him. So uh, again, it, it's a story only because uh, because it came up and, and he responded to it. But for people to blow blow that out of proportion is just kind of it's just kind of cra- it shows you the world we live in, which is unfortunately sometimes it's not a great place. I was under the impression, Joe, that Twitter always had reasonable responses to uh, <laughs> to problems in the in the world. No, I think he would have got ripped way more if he said, "Oh, I'm not going to play on yeah, Sunday probably. because we're expecting," you know. I, People would be like, oh, it shows a lack of commitment to his team, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Y- you know, it, whatever. There really was no wrong decision to make here. Like Mike said, it's a personal decision. I'm just excited for Carson. It's got to be an exciting time. Hopefully the Colts, you know, win or lose Sunday, mm-hmm. Car- the Wentz family is going to be winners. Yeah. So that's pretty cool for a guy and his wife to k- expand their family like that. And hopefully... Uh, he can have two wins on Sunday. That'd be great. And I also remember, uh, Mike, you probably do too, and Joe, I'm, you might too, a, a couple years ago when uh, T.Y. Hilton uh, scored a touchdown. I think it was against the Jaguars. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember that for sure. But he scored a touchdown and then rocked the baby because he and his wife, his wife specifically, 
let's be specific, had just given birth, I believe it was that morning, uh, to, to a new baby in the ghost household. So this is, uh, this is not a new scenario for, for star Indianapolis Colts players. Yeah, and, and again, it, it, it comes back to, to if, if, if the family is fine with what they're doing, in that case, T.Y. playing while the wife's you know, doing some serious business, uh, I, let, let's just let them do what they want to do. And, and again, I, Joe reemphasized, as I did, this is one where whatever Carson Wentz announced he was going to do, he had caught flack from it. So we can just move on from it, I suppose. We will move on. Uh, I agree. Uh, more news this week. The Jaguars signed uh, running back Jordan Wilkins to their practice squad. That's a little gamesmanship at, at, at least, Joe. Trying to get the, the secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Urban Meyer trying to dig deep, see what's going on in Colts headquarters. But, yeah, uh, Jordan Wilkins no longer a Colt. Now he's there with the Jaguars. Uh, so And also, maybe some, some very good news for the Colts is that cornerback T.J. Carey has been designated to return from injured reserve. And uh, Frank Reich said Carey will practice this week, and he will be evaluated uh, throughout the week for availability uh, for the Jaguars game this weekend. Mike, we've talked about the secondary over the past couple weeks, and I think over the last week specifically in uh, with the Jets and giving up nearly 400 yards to a third-string quarterback in Josh Johnson, who's played for half the teams in the NFL, and that's only a very slight exaggeration when I say that. Uh, I think the secondary has been justly under fire then and the past couple weeks before that, and you can point to injuries back there, especially on the back end with the safeties, but the cornerbacks haven't been immune to that as well. Xavier Rhodes has played through trouble, and TJ Carey hasn't been in the lineup for, for some time, and you know, it's optimistic maybe he'll be able to play this weekend, but again, that's something that the Colts will have to find out closer to the weekend. Uh, his, his presence would be much better than his absence at this point of the year for sure. Yeah, the, the plan is the plan was still is I suppose for, for TJ to practice Wednesday and Friday, and then they'll evaluate it. Uh, I think if he comes out okay, he'll play. I'm not so sure that he doesn't figure into the mix at safety instead of corner. I mean, they're so thin and and lacking at safety. They they really are, you know, good for George, George Odom to get on the field and play a lot, but he he wasn't playing much on defense. For a reason, I suppose he was a, you know, all pro special teams player, but uh, losing Blackman for the season and Kari Willis for at least what two more games is it? Uh, I think it is, and he's been bothered all year by I can't remember was it a hamstring or a groin or a calf, whatever it was. Uh, I'm not sure how much you can depend on him for the rest of the season. So uh, they're 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 very thin back there, and I think a die gets a chance on Sunday. I'll be called up from the practice. I don't think he's been on. Is he on the active roster? I, I get um, forgetful on their on their roster moves, but but he'll be active on Sunday. So uh, they've got to get that back end squared away. Yes, against Trevor Lawrence, but you know we got Murderers Row coming up in the next uh, month or so with 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 Brady and Josh Allen and Kyler Murray and you know on and on and on. So they need to get the back into that uh, defense fixed. Or, 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 or more fixed, or get the pass rush to help them out, and either one or both would, would be a pleasant uplift for this defense. Let's get into that injury report a little bit more specifically then. On Wednesday, Xavier Rhodes did not practice with his calf injury. Braden Smith, with his elbow injury, did not practice. Uh, three players were limited in participation, T.Y. Hilton, Darius Leonard, and Quentin Nelson. Um, and uh, Quentin... 
unless something goes horribly wrong, will play. Uh, Darius Leonard, with his ankle, it's the same thing. Unless something goes horribly wrong, he'll play. Um, and T.Y. Hilton was, a, was with a concussion on, uh, on Wednesday with a limited participant. We've talked about this before on the Colts Blue Zone podcast, just the process to come back. You need to practice limited, and you need to, have, need to be cleared by uh, team doctors or whatever it is, and then you need to have a full participation day at practice and be cleared by an independent neurologist in order to be cleared to actually play after suffering a concussion. And from what I'm looking at, just uh, on Twitter from the folks, fine folks in the media who are out there, I'll mention Joel Erickson specifically saying T.Y. Hilton is out there Thursday in a blue jersey. So the red jersey is off, um, T.Y. Hilton, which is a very good sign that uh, he'll hopefully be back on the field Sunday. And Chap, and we were talking to Frank Reich uh, earlier this week, he seemed very upbeat and positive about uh, the the trending direction of T.Y. Hilton. It's likely we'll see the ghost uh, again, again, unless something horrible happens uh, on Sunday when the Jaguars are in town. Yeah, boy, you just hope he stays. He can avoid whatever. But he's played, is it two games this year? And he's not finished either one with the quad, with the quad and the concussion. So I, I just, for him, I just want to see him finish the season strong. And, you know, I think we've all sort of believed this is it for him. He'll, he'll, I, I really think he retires at the end of the season. Just string together seven games to where you're, you're, what you you know to to some shape of what you used to be, and it starts again. It starts on Sunday. Also, uh, injury wise, Braden Smith, from what I read, is is practicing today. And uh, Frank was what was his term? Fairly optimistic that he that he would play Sunday. So a, a lot of good things that are going on. I know you tweeted out how they they're, they're the highest scoring team over the last four games. They are, and so much of so much of that. Is that they're getting healthy, uh, Ty? You know, accepted, but they're getting the offensive line together. Wentz is really, I think, back. So uh, it, it's really impressive how they're they're just cranking out points uh, with, with Jonathan Taylor and Mike and Michael Pittman being your primary receiver. So uh, to to get Braden Smith back, if he can play at a high level, uh, all signs are are kind of pointing up for this offense. Yeah, uh, you you bring up that stat, so uh, so we'll get into it now in a second. But yeah, it's one that I that I kind of uncovered um, just by uh, pure dumb luck, somewhat. But uh, I knew that the Colts were really good over the last like month, um, and I was like, well, how, how do they compare with uh, with everyone else in the NFL? Well, over the last month, the Colts are averaging thirty four point three points per game. That's pretty good. That is Damn pretty good. good yeah. yeah. Um, they have 10 passing touchdowns, which is second most in the league, only behind the Los Angeles Rams with 11. So Carson Wentz, only Matthew Stafford has thrown for more touchdowns over the last four weeks than Carson Wentz has. Again, pretty good. Pretty good. And the Colts have eight rushing touchdowns, which uh, is behind the Philadelphia Eagles nine, I believe, for most in the league. But I wouldn't have is, picked that. Te- I wouldn't have picked that team to be. Who's ahead of them? Philadelphia with rushing touchdowns. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done that. Neither would I, but, but there they are. But the Colts' 18 touchdowns are two more than anyone else over the last four games. The New England Patriots have 16, but two of those Patriots' touchdowns are return touchdowns. The Colts, all 18 of their touchdowns are offensive touchdowns. So 
Uh, They've been cooking. Yeah, the best the best that a team has is 15 offensive touchdowns. That's the Cincinnati Bengals behind them. The Colts, over the last four games, have three more touchdowns than anybody else in the NFL. So I know that's a, number, a lot of numbers I just threw at you. I hope you followed along there. But, yeah, Joe, it goes to the fact that, that this offense is cooking. Like Mike said, it really comes a lot, down a lot to uh, the, the health, in particular the health of the offensive line. Jonathan Taylor's found a groove. Michael Pittman has found a great relationship with Carson Wentz. And uh, you, you just hope that this can continue. And I think at the beginning of the year, we knew that there would be a few growing pains, especially with a very limited Carson Wentz in training camp and what he could do, that there would be the team would get better, even if Carson could come in and relatively know the offense pretty well. But obviously, here we are as the season passes its halfway point. The, whole, the Colts have gotten leaps and bounds better from the first couple weeks of the season when they really had troubles in the red zone in particular. Things are clicking right now, so you want to see that that progression continues to hold and continues to hopefully move forward over the rest of the year. Yeah, we we all kind of were at the consensus that this is a team that was going to get better as the year went along, uh, which didn't exactly line up with the brutal schedule at the beginning of the year, so the Colts found themselves in a hole as they were trying to really find themselves as a team. Uh, now they're trying to dig out of that hole, and their offense is good. It puts up points, which killed them recently in their losses has been situational football late in games um even their recent losses you think about the titans the ravens they did so much right in those games uh so many positives and yet it was a handful of negatives that really were their downfall so going forward this team just needs to limit their mistakes limit their their kind of fourth quarter letdowns and this is a playoff team. This is talent-wise. This is a playoff-caliber team. They just have to prove it over the last couple months of the season. Uh, Joe brings up the playoffs, so that'll bring up another stat that uh, has been unearthed this week. And again, it was just this was me, dumb luck, listening to other people do research. So this wasn't me doing research. Oh, fair, uh, fair warning. Uh, this was me listening to ESPN Radio and hearing that over the last 34 years, at least one team. Entering week 10 with a sub 500 record, so one team either four and five or three and six, has made the playoffs. At least one team each of the last 34 years, which is stunning. Um, typically, it's not the way the Colts did it with three losses in a row to start the year. Very atypical. But you're at four and five right now, and that's what matters as you move forward. So, Mike, the, the, door, is, the door is not closed. And if you look at the who's in front of the Colts, they'll play a couple teams in the Raiders and the Patriots who are kind of in the same boat. Um, I think they're both five and four right now, or maybe five and three, one of them is. But uh, they're going to get some opportunities in the wild card uh, to, to, to stake a claim to, to a postseason spot. And uh, the, the way the offense is playing, as we just mentioned, is, is giving them the opportunity to do so probably. Yeah, and one thing was since, since your, your numbers you brought up, just to, to add, sometimes context is needed. They've had four straight games of 30 points or at least. The last time they did that was 2010. And there was a certain quarterback here. The last time they did it in five straight years or five straight games was 2005. So it just shows you that they're they're performing at a high level. Yeah, and for the playoffs, I'm still stuck on the fact that you've got to get to 10 and seven. I I don't I just don't see how nine and eight gets you in. I really don't. But it's there for me. They're gonna, they're gonna have, they're playing the teams that they have to, to, to kind of leapfrog. 
with the Raiders and, and, and you know Buffalo. We'll see, but but you've got teams New England coming in, so you've got things that are there. But it, it it means you take care of your business. It means you find a way to beat either Tampa or Buffalo or or Arizona. To me, you you've got to beat one of those teams. You just have to. Uh, you know they, they darn near beat Buffalo last year, and just when I thought Buffalo was pretty doggone good, and I still do, but w- w- when they go and get beat nine to six, six points by Josh Allen and that offense is in. I I I, I would have lost money if that was a prop bet. So so it's it, this. We went into the season, at least I did, thinking that the AFC was stacked, just stacked with teams that, boy, here are six playoff spots. Who's going for the seventh? Well, now, who? Who, who, who are you latching your your money to and really feeling confident in? So I, I think the, you know, Tennessee. I, guess I was going to say Titans are the yeah. only one. Uh, yeah, I tell you. I, I've, been, I've been a denier of Tennessee. They've won me over. They, they really have with the, with the way they're playing, losing Henry and doing what they've done. But it is so muddled below. Joe, my, Joe and I might, might have talked about this Monday or, yeah, was it Monday we talked, Joe? Or I can't it's remember. last Friday after the Jets Okay, game. then we haven't. But I was watching over the weekend, and so much that needed to go right for the Colts didn't. You're right. T- te- teams that needed to lose didn't lose. So they, they, you almost get, you're at the point that you have to quit worrying about scoreboard watching and just take care of your business. I, I, I'm not saying you're, they're going to win nine and 10 like they did. What was an 18 after the one and five start? But it, it, it's there. If they take care of their business, they get in. Uh, that's that's going to take a couple of strange games, playing very well in certain games. But for the hole they put themselves in, they have a shovel to get out of it. Yeah, uh, it, it's going to take beating good teams to make the playoffs. And uh, the Colts haven't done that, to be honest. They're 0-8 against the, the playoff teams from a year ago, the last eight, uh, eight games against them. So something's going to have to change. As much, as much as we're saying some good things about what the offense is doing, some good trends, positive trends, that, hey, you can make the playoffs from 4-5, and five, well, still some things are going to have to happen that haven't happened recently for the Colts in order to turn that corner. Let's turn to the Jaguars and their injury report for this week. Uh, running back James Robinson with a heel injury did not participate in Wednesday's practice. Uh, Coach Urban Meyer said he could probably do more. I personally limited him more. So the Jaguars sound pretty hopeful that uh, their running back Robinson is going to play on Sunday. Uh, linebacker Miles Jack has a knee injury. Urban Meyer again said he'll be fine. And cornerback Chris Claybrooks has a concussion. He did not participate on Wednesday. Uh, so we'll see if he can get to limited then full uh, before the weekend comes. Uh, limited on Wednesday, quarterback Trevor Lawrence, an ankle injury. He suffered a low ankle sprain against the Bills, but all, all signs he's going he's gonna to play. Lawrence says he's feeling pretty good, better than he thought he would. Um, the backup quarterback, by the way, is C.J. Beathard, uh, just in case you were curious out there. And uh, also limited in Wednesday's practice, left tackle Cam Robinson uh, with a back injury. So, so it, my, uh, Joe, it sounds like Jaguar, the Jaguars are, are pretty healthy, like the Colts are entering this week. And uh, they have a, a relatively full-fledged attack and coming off probably their best performance of the year, as Mike alluded to a few minutes ago in that 9-6 win over the Bills. Very least their best defensive performance yeah, i mean yeah, they we'll only put up nine sure. points but hey, yeah that's the, a winner exactly the defense the defense did its job and i mean james robinson whether he plays or not it's going to be a huge deal because he is one of the most underrated running backs in the nfl i remember 
their loss last year to Jacksonville. He, he you know, it was first NFL game. Undrafted well, like, who is this play- 34 playing down there? Who is this guy who keeps breaking all these tackles? He's a tackle-breaking monster. Uh, so James Robinson, whether he plays or not, if he's not out there, that's going to be a big hit for the Jaguars. And if he is out there, the Colts are going to have to really – toughen up on the run Colts are four and five after nine weeks the Jaguars have already had their bye they are two and six so they've played eight games so far and you might look at two and six and be like "Eh, it's not so good and you're you're not wrong but over the last three games Jaguars have won both of their two wins so they're two and one over their last three Um, I recognize that two and one is only one more win than it is a loss but hey it's a lot better than than you were at the beginning of the season when you started 0 for 5 uh, defense has been a big part of it. James Robinson's been playing well. Uh, but, but Mike, when, when we asked um, Frank Reich and Carson Wentz and Jonathan Taylor throughout this week just about uh, what is it that that, that Jaguars defense is, uh, is, is doing well, they all point to the defensive line, an active defensive line that really makes you, uh, makes you think, makes you work. And you can see that last week as Josh Allen was pressured uh, 19 times often by Josh Allen himself on the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. I found it funny that uh, the only person who seems to be able to bottle up Josh Allen is indeed Josh Allen. Uh, but uh, the Colts uh, wish they could have Spider-Man someone. Spider-Man meme. Exactly, <laughs> but back and forth. Uh, they wish that they could have someone like a Josh Allen uh, this weekend. Um, but but he, he's been tremendous for them, and uh, if the defense is going to, uh, be like it was last week, that then then they're going to ride the defensive line and pressures and disrupting the play from the beginning to do so. Yeah, they're giving up, you know, run defense, they're giving up 3.8 a carry. It's pretty good. The Jags are, you know, 103 per game. So, and, and if, and it's crazy because the last time that these guys faced Jacksonville, what was it Taylor ran for, 253? I mean, it was in, it was in, in the last game last year. But whenever I think of Jacksonville, I just, I go back to the fact that this is a team that I don't know whether it's matchups. I don't know what it is. Every team's got somebody that they have a hard time with. Jacksonville's won seven of the last 11 meetings. And I went back and looked at in their last 26 games, last 26 games, Jacksonville is two and one against the Colts and two and 21 against the rest of the league. Ooh. So I mean, if I, I I think it was a good thing really that Jacksonville found some way to beat Buffalo. I, I think if if Frank needed to get anybody's attention in the building, you know, here, here's one and seven Jacksonville. They got a rookie quarterback is still trying to find his way. Maybe maybe you could have overlooked him. Maybe although again when you're when, when you've won, when you've lost what seven of the last eleven. You shouldn't, but if them getting, you know, really punking up on Buffalo doesn't get your attention, then you got a dead roster. So I think I think it was a good thing for the Colts that, that Buffalo got rolled down there, but this is for whatever reason has always been a tough out for the Colts, and it's funny they they, they beat Buffalo nine to six, no touchdowns. Uh, the last time Jacksonville won a game with no touchdowns, they beat the Colts six to nothing. If you remember, in 2018, when Cody, I think it was Cody Kessler outdueled uh, Andrew Luck in, in, in a game that when, when you're watching, you're thinking, "How did they lose that game with, with the way they played?" Well, you don't score, <laughs> you don't score points. So I, I think it's a, it's a tough out for whatever reason. 
But, again, Vegas knows what they're doing. We'll get to it later on. But it was a 10.5-point spread. Uh, th- this is a game. It, it, we, we talk about having to beat Tampa or Arizona or Buffalo. Doesn't matter unless you take care of Sunday. Absolutely. And uh, I, I don't want to come across up and thinking that we don't want to make the uh, the Jaguars defense sound like the 85 Bears right now. Uh, they have given up 26 points per game. That's the seventh most in the league. Um, and uh, really what, where they've struggled a lot is takeaways. They only have five, Joe, but three of them were last week against the Bills. So, so you look at what uh, the defense forced them into some takeaways, and that's what made them have their best defensive performance of the season. So uh, I'm sure when we come to our quiche to the game a little bit later, that, that could be mentioned, uh, a little, little protection of the ball ski to me. Yeah, this game is very reminiscent of the past game against the Jets. Jets were coming off a big upset win over the Bengals, who at the time had just beat the Ravens, and I think for a moment were first place in the uh, AFC North there. Um, of course, the Bengals have now lost two in a row. But anyway, you know, they were playing the Jets, who were a bad team coming off a big win. Now they play the Jaguars, another bad team coming off a big win. It being a division game kind of adds a little extra flavor to this one. Um, but at the end of the day, the Colts just need to handle their business just like they did against the Jets because they're the better team. And, uh, oh, yeah, if they don't allow, like, 400 yards passing, that'd be great. That would be fantastic. Trevor Lawrence, by the way, has not thrown multiple touchdown passes since week one, so they haven't exactly been a dynamic down-the-field passing offense right now. Doesn't have a ton of weapons on the outside. He has some, um, but uh, one guy who's been uh, very helpful has been the tight end Dan Arnold who made an immediate impact since coming to Jacksonville. He was traded from Carolina after week three, and he leads the team with 30 targets over the last four weeks. And, Mike, we have seen the Colts give up some some plays over the middle of the field to tight ends in particular. It was against Tennessee. Would Mark Andrews have, like, 140 yeah, on him? Him, too, with the bet with, uh, yeah, with Baltimore. But there, I just go back to that one drive with the Titans where they just went tight end, tight end, tight end, tight end, down the middle of the field. So uh, you, you better know that it's going to come because other teams see your tape and they know your struggles, and the Colts have struggled there. Yeah, we talked to Darius Leonard today, and he was sort of he went back and forth on uh, Mike Wells of ESPN asking about you know yeah you beat the Jets but weren't you upset that you gave up you know a zillion yards? And he said, well, he said first he said well we we got the win and all that, but then he said yeah he said I it upsets me when they get that kind of yardage and and that was against you know the number of what two and three quarterback the guy Josh Johnson was on the practice squad for crying out loud, and, and now you're getting Trevor Lawrence who again. He, he, he's sort of going through that, that, that growing pain that most of the great quarterbacks, guys who ended up being great quarterbacks, you go through. You know, Peyton Manning was 3-13 and 13 as a rookie. I think Troy Aikman was like 0-11, you know. So, but, but, but then they say that's how you get better as long as you don't get your guy beat up like Houston did with David Carr. Uh, th- this guy shows what, what you want. It's just, again, he, he has cut down on the interceptions. What is it Joe mentioned? Was it three over the last however many games? Yeah, three over the last five. He right. started the season with seven in his first three games. But he's still under 60% completions. And it's th- th- this is the kind of guy that the defense, the defensive front needs to rattle. And we, we talked to uh, Grover Stewart about it today. He said, yeah, you want to scare him. And if you can get in a rookie's face early, you can really rattle him and take him out of his game. You cannot let these these young quarterbacks come out there and go 10 for 12 in the first quarter or the first quarter and a half and sort of feel like they belong in the game. That's where, you know, the, the way they treated Mike White and Josh Johnson was just ridiculous to let these guys do that. I don't care what the score was. 
if it's 42 to 10, then slam the door. But uh, over the years, we've seen so many different quarterbacks. You know, we, we, we've talked about how they, th- these guys have made Blake Bortles look like he was a Hall of Famer. I think he only played well against these guys. So come out there and, and, and you know, get, get in his face and let him know he's in for a long day and see how the rookie performs, responds. So his other top targets are on the outside, Marvin Jones, uh, former Detroit Lion, who leads the team in all receiving categories, uh, Jamal Agnew and LaVisca Chenault. Chenault, a, a dangerous dude, Joe. You get the ball in his hands. Uh, I, I'd compare him if you have a Colt, maybe like a Paris Campbell type of guy. who and they, they even do things a little bit more, uh, if I uh, dare to use the word gadgety, just to get the ball in his hands and get him trying to get him in space. Uh, even more so than the Colts did with Paris Campbell this year. Maybe more Paris Campbell at the start of last year is what they try to do with him from time to time. Yeah, Schnault's basically a running back playing wide receiver, and that's a little bit also what Jamal Agnew has been for them. He's been used in kind of a gadget fashion, and he was actually tied with Dan Arnold over the last four weeks with those 30 targets. So they've been going to Agnew a lot uh, as well. Marvin Jones, you know, I put in there that he leads the team in all receiving categories. Well, he has not surpassed 35 receiving yards in four of his last five games. Uh, the other one, he had 100 yards and a touchdown. So he could go off against you, right. but um, he has not been featured as much lately. So they they have a nice collection of weapons. They'd have even more if their first-round pick, Travis Etienne, didn't get injured. Um, but Jacksonville, you can't just fall asleep on this team because they have some guys who can beat you. The, the, the problem is, that very much like Marvin Jones, it's pro- they, they've come in spurts this year. And there's been other yeah. times when and, and been much more barren times, desert times. Like their offense, they're only scoring 16.5 points per game, the second fewest in the NFL. They're averaging 100, uh, not 100, 333 yards per game. That's the 10th fewest in the league. And they have given up 14 turnovers on offense. That's the sixth most. So when you look at the Colts, a team that takes the ball away a whole heck of a lot, uh, that, that's got to be something that's on your radar this week is to, is to disrupt the rookie quarterback, make him uncomfortable. Like Mike was saying earlier, do it early in the game. Don't let him get comfortable back there. Don't let him get set. Uh, we were talking with, um, with Grover Stewart today just about what, uh, what it can mean to get some pressure, especially up in the middle in the face of a rookie quarterback. Like, like don't don't give him a fresh lane to step into. Don't let him like be comfortable right there. Force him to move outside of the pocket one way or the other. I know uh, Trevor Lawrence can run better than people people think, Mike. We, if you look back, I remember seeing him run in some national championship games, have some really really long runs. Uh, so I, I would also anticipate them to uh, probably do the try the Ryan Tannehill effect. Try to get him to bootleg out and uh, see if that can uh, that can help him get away from. Uh, the Colts defensive line and give him just uh, a chance to be on the move and get away from the pressure early on. So it's again, it it comes back to other teams are looking at your film too, and they have the type of quarterback. He's not a statue back there by any stretch of the imagination. He can move around. So I I anticipate them trying to move, um, trying to move Trevor Lawrence around this weekend when they come to Indianapolis. Well, yeah, like you said, every time that this team has played a quarterback with that ability, he's hurt him. Uh, and it, 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 Tannehill hurt him, hurt him twice in two different games. So uh, it, it's what well, he's third on the, he's third on their team in rushing with 136 yards, two touchdowns. Probably really be a, a a threat in the red zone if when they get down there. So it just it just really forces you to play disciplined defense where you want to get after him, but you've got to somebody's got to contain. 
And, uh, you know, that that's why, again, there, there's so many things they're going to try to do, I think, to protect the quarterback, run uh, James Robinson if, if he's healthy, and if, and if he plays, if you play, you're going to play. So they'll lean on him quite a bit. And this is the kind of running back that I don't think generally gashes him for, for, for a lot of the, the chunk plays, but, but he just grinds on him, just grinds on him, ball control and all that kind of stuff. So, again, the, the, with the way the Colts are playing, I, I like the fact they're going to put points on the board, I would think. It's crazy. You look at that that the Bills game. Again, they, they held them to six points, and, and they're still giving up 26 a game, is it? Yep, still so, so they, so, so they were close to 30 a game until then. So it, it's like Joe mentioned, it's, it is it is very similar to, to the to the Jets where they're coming off a great win, but that was an aberration. So, again, this is a game that, that you simply – we'll get to, J, to Joe's keys, but that you simply cannot find a way to lose because, in my mind, this is a game that's in your hands one way or the other. Download, subscribe to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Get us delivered to your podcast listening device right when we drop every week, twice a week, in fact, throughout the regular season. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. I'm at Dave G underscore sports. Joe is at Roto Street Joe. Mike Chapel is at mchapel 51 The Colts and Jaguars will kick off at 1 o'clock Sunday afternoon, broadcast locally here in central Indiana on CBS4. Let's get to the keys to the game that Joe's put together. Joe, I'm going to do the last one first here because I already touched on it. I teased it earlier. That's don't beat yourself with the turnovers and penalties that gives Jacksonville extra chances. Bills lost the turnover battle 3-1. to It's not often that you lose a turnover battle 3-1 to you're able to win the game. Don't tell the Tennessee Titans that from earlier this year when it was 3-0. I promise one day I'm going to stop bringing that up, but it's probably not going to be this season just because it's, it's fresh in the mind there, but heck do, do, do not do it. Don't, don't be, don't beat yourself. And I'm sure uh, again, you go back to Carson Wentz's detractors. And if he finishes the season, Mike with 30 touchdowns and three interceptions, it'll be, Oh, what about that Tennessee game? Where he threw, yeah, Correct. You know, and it'll always be in their minds that he gave it away. Don't do it again. And yeah. especially don't do it to the Jaguars. Well, he's, he's become a verb on the Sunday night game when Stafford had a similar play throwing an interception near a pick six near his zone in zone. They all say he winced it. He Carson winced it. So. Maybe, maybe went Stafford in it. <laughs> like, like seriously, like this happens in the NFL. Like good quarterbacks have bad weeks. And I tweeted out something to the effect of, yeah, if, if Carson Wentz threw that ball, there were there, people would be showing up in pitchforks at West 56th Street. And like, it, and it got exactly the 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 response that you would imagine uh, to get on Twitter. I had the mute button going. I love the mute <laughs> button on Twitter, man. It is my favorite thing in the world. I just keep the keep the stupid out of my timeline. It, it's exceptional. It's fantastic. But uh, that, that was that was that was my experience over the weekend watching that game. Don't you wish you had that in real life? Like someone starts talking to you, you well, I wouldn't have to listen to you too much. That's a good <laughs> That's point. Right. Yeah, yeah. You just have the podcast all to yourself. <laughs> I actually have two mute buttons right here. Yeah, you I, can mute me right now. Them. That's yeah. right. Yeah. You're gone. Um, <laughs> yeah. Nice. All right, you're back. Uh, oh, thank you. Anyway, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's similar to the Jets game. It's kind of why I had it last year, but and it's so obvious. But just don't beat yourselves because if you play how you're supposed to play and the up to the potential that you have, the Colts are the better team, and they will win. Mistakes are what's going to get them beat. The Bills also had 12 penalties for 118 yards in that game. I mean, that is massive, like massive mistakes. Yeah. They, they they beat themselves. They did I not think, show up for the Jaguars. Yeah, I think I think that the Jaguars will go back feeling really good about themselves for, from that game. They'll uh, Were they home? They was a home game, excuse mm-hmm. me. So they'll just drive home feeling really good. 
but the Bills had to fly home feeling that they lost that game, not that Jacksonville won it. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's fair to say. And they broke some tables in a less so pleasant manner Maybe this time. Maybe a, a more angry than celebratory way of cracking the tables out there in Buffalo. Uh, let's get to uh, our other keys to the game. Get off to a hot start. We have touched on this already a little bit, but... And you guys predicted half of these keys to the game. Yeah, right. Uh, the great start was uh, squashed confidence of the Jets coming off that big upset. Uh, the Colts scored touchdowns on their first four drives last week. And uh, when they finally uh, got things clicking, and admittedly so against a defense that was designed to try to keep the clock running more than it was to, to stop them at the end of the day from scoring points, um, then they did, it was just a hole that they couldn't climb out of at the end of the yeah. day. So, so, so Mike, this is what, what you were saying earlier. I mean, get off to a hot start on offense because this – Jaguars offense hasn't shown that it can keep up and get off to a hot start on defense because you don't want the rookie quarterback getting a rhythm. Yeah, and one thing that came up this week was how the culture, the offense is really percolating well. And it's no coincidence they go hand in hand. A lot of that's because they're getting their act together in the red zone. They're really getting efficient. Uh, And not only with, I think Wentz is like, he's got six touchdowns, I believe, in the last two games or three games uh, with red zones. And, and on top of that, they're, they're still running the ball, so they're in the red zone. So they've really got their act together. Uh, and it goes back to that 6 to nothing game uh, a couple years ago where they were in the red zone a couple times and, and, and got zero points out of it. So it, it just makes the life so much easier. How many times do we sit there in the first quarter, or quarter to half, and you're counting points the Colts have left on the field? And you're thinking, boy, that's going to come back and bite him in the rear end. And a lot of times it does. So, again, get out early and force force Trevor Lawrence to maybe do more than he wants to do to where they just can't slam you with Robinson because he's that good to where he can carry 25 times and hurt you with it. So it's kind of like no-brainer stuff. But when you're facing a struggling team, a struggling team coming off win. When you're facing a team that's had a, it's on a tough season with a rookie quarterback, I don't care if he is the first overall pick, get out early. Don't give them reason to believe that the fourth quarter will mean anything. And really for the Colts, the first half has meant quite a bit. The first three weeks, they were trailing at halftime. They went 0-3 those weeks. Uh, next six weeks, they've led every every game at halftime. Mm-hmm. They're four and two over that period. So, and, and the other two that were losses, we saw were, those fourth ing- quarter collapses. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that that comes later. But heck, get get out in front earlier. That gives you the best chance to win. Number two or number three, I guess, since I said the last one first. Keep riding the run game. So far this ye- this season, Jacksonville's only given up uh, a single hundred yard rusher. That was Derrick Henry. Um, Jonathan Taylor, Joe, you say needs to become the second uh, if the Colts want to do what they're uh, what they did last week on offense. I mean, uh, you, you see big numbers, and and it was the run game that really led him there. As much as Mike was saying, hey, Carson Wentz has been efficient in the red zone; he's getting a lot of touchdowns in the red zone. Well, the running game really, really was the what what powered the offense to that win over the Jets. Yeah, and I hope you see it again. It's the catalyst that sets everything up, uh, according to Pro Football Focus. Carson Wentz used play action on 45% of his dropbacks last week. So the threat of the run is what's been opening up that passing game. We've seen 
you know, uh, what what was the game that Carson threw? What fifty one times was that the Titans game? I believe. Yeah, it was, and they ran it twenty times. Yeah, and that that's that's not how this offense is going to reach its full potential by just dropping back and having Carson sling it all over the yard. You need the threat of the run to open everything else, because outside of Michael Pittman Jr., the Colts really don't have a lot of man beaters out there I mean there's not a whole lot of guys you feel super confident about winning their matchups consistently one-on-one so get the running game going get Jonathan Taylor going he's got six straight games with 100 scrimmage yards and a rushing touchdown let's make it seven and I mean when Naheem Hines gets involved as well this offense just hits a whole nother level yeah Mike Joe makes a great point with Hines I thought inserting him back into the line uh, into the game plan last week was crucial to their success especially early on so you, you hope to see Hines out there getting a few touches in the first half for sure yeah and here we are this comes across if you take it out of context that we're trashing Marlon Mack and I'm not but every touch that Marlon Mack gets is a touch that Taylor and Hines don't get so uh, I just think it's it, it, it's not conducive to a, to a good finish for Marlon Mack when he was inactive last week when they kept Deion Jackson active for special teams. Marlon Mack is not a special teams player. But I just think where sometimes I'm guilty of getting caught up on how many carries did Taylor get. Keep in mind, he's yet 19 is his most so far. 19 is a high watermark. But when you can get him and Hines enough enough carries and enough enough touches that they're going to make the big plays. They just are. I mean, Hines had the 34-yard touchdown run last week. Getting the ball enough, and, and each one's going to make, make things happen. And you talked about is it six straight, six straight games with 100 yards from scrimmage for, for Taylor. He's had 100 yards in four of the last six. Those are the four games they won. So I, I, that's how that's how this team needs to run. I talked to Frank. This came up last week, I think, about with the Jets game, the incredible balance. Remember, it was thirty runs, thirty passes, and, and the yardage was almost fifty-fifty the same. And in today's NFL, he says he sort of thinks it's fifty-five, forty-five run pass. But you've got it. You've when you've got your two best. At least your best player is Jonathan Taylor. I'm not going to say Hines is their second best player. He's not. But when you got players like that, give them a chance. If you give Taylor 20 carries, he's going to break three. He just when I say break, I'm talking 15, 20, and now I'm not saying 78 or whatever it's going to be. But with Hines, you get him out in space. Good things happen. Was it the Frisco game where he dropped the one? Yeah, in the right flat where he could have he could have run for I don't know 30, 40. So that's what you want when you've got playmakers like that. Use them, especially until you know what you've got receiver wise. Beyond Pittman, hopefully Ty is back and can add add what he can do. But when your two best players on offense sort of are Hines and and Taylor, give them a chance to turn the game around. And I loved with. Hines last week we had kind of talked about it going into the game I and I didn't chart it I wish they did but it seemed like they lined him up more at wide receiver last week he seemed to be much more involved not only just running the ball but even when they didn't throw it to him just lining him up out there because we discussed he's probably one of your top four best wide receivers at this point as well so get him on the field as much as possible because you know there's a better chance of Naheem Hines making a play out there than a 
Ashton Doolin or a Patman or Strawn or someone like that at this point in their careers. On the other side of the ball, the defensive line for the Colts needs to control the line of scrimmage. Uh, James Robinson has uh, has led them to some of their success this year, and if he is healthy, certainly can be a, a threat. We, we've mentioned how he was certainly a year ago in that season opening loss down in Jacksonville. Uh, so so keep that line of scrimmage under wraps. And I, I think Mike, I think you said it really well. Make make Trevor Lawrence do more than they want him to do. And with a rookie quarterback and a rookie coaching staff, for for that matter, like your 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 like your game plan is important, and being able to stick to your game plan is important. And there there's just been fewer opportunities for them in the NFL, in professional football, to have to adjust their game plans and to open it up more and to pick the right spots. I don't want to take anything away from Urban Meyer's coaching history. It's very, very good, but there's something different about it in professional football and adjusting your game plans on the fly and having to do things different, especially with a rookie quarterback who's breaking into things as you do. So the, the defensive line controlling the line of scrimmage could go a long way in, in establishing like the Colts being able to do what they want on Sunday when the Jaguars are here. Yeah, so like, like I said, with, with, with Jonathan Taylor, the more touches you give him, think good things are going to happen. They just are. Well, with Trevor Lawrence, I think the more you ask him to do, there, there's a better chance of him doing something adverse to, to, to what the Jaguars want. And maybe this is the game, finally, that Pay goes off. I mean, if they gave out, you know, near sacks last week, he would have had, I don't know, four or five. So we saw the best of Quiddy Pay last week against the Jets without a sack. Uh, he's he, when the top comes off of the bottle on him. I mean, does he get two or three at a time? So I think he's close. I think DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart c- continues to be a force. They just have to get something from somebody else, whether that's Teray, whether that's Dio, whomever. So. This would be a good week for that defensive line to really step forward and say, yeah, not today, Trevor. Well, and to add a little more context here, the Jaguars have given up the fourth fewest sacks in the NFL with 13. So this is an offensive line that's playing pretty well. They returned all five starters from the previous season. And you look at a guy, James Robinson, he's been balling 600-plus yards from scrimmage in seven games this year. He has five touchdowns. His 5.5 yards per carry average ranks fifth among running backs with 20 or more carries. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, by the way, is second with 5.9 yards per carry. So James Robinson right there controlling the line of scrimmage is going to be a big deal in this one. And like you guys said, not allowing Jacksonville to just go in there and stick with their original game plan. Well, FanDuel has the Colts at 10.5-point favorites. The over-under is set at 47.5 so they're expecting something to the extent of a 29 to 19 ball game. That's where the numbers come out to. Uh, I'll start with my predictions. Joe will go next. Mike will wrap things up. Uh, I think the Colts continue uh, the hot uh, the hot train on offense. Um, last week, though, it wasn't a total aberration. The Jaguars have shown some good defensive performances this year. Uh, good defense potential, I should say, this year. Um, I, I can't predict them to do that consistently uh, week after week and have uh, the other team. Uh, commit neither neither nearly 120 yards of penalties and give the ball away three times so um, so while I think Jacksonville certainly has that capability on defense I think the Colts offense is playing really good football right now 
Um, I'm going to predict a 30 to 13 ball game for the Colts to come out on top. Continue that 30 point streak, make it five straight for the first time since 2005. Uh, time when the Colts were strolling off uh, 13 consecutive wins to start the season at that point. That's how much this offense is clicking right now, uh, comparing it to that offense. So uh, maybe not quite that much. That that could be an overstatement. Let, 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 let's just go without that. But that's my prediction. 30-13, to 13, Colts come out on the winning side. They get back to 500 as another tough part of the schedule begins next week. Joe? I'm going to go with the Colts as well. I mean, going into last week, the Jets defense, one of the areas they were better at was defending the run. Uh, kind of like this Jaguars defense where, you know, teams have passed on them, but they've been decent at defending the one run. Regardless, I think the Colts are going to be able to do a good job and run the ball against them. This offensive line has really played well recently. I'm going to go 31-23. to 23. I don't have confidence that this defense is going to just completely shut the Jaguars down. They haven't, I mean, other than the Texans, they haven't really been able to shut down very many teams this year. Uh, but I think the offense is going to do enough, and the defense will make a few plays that matter. I think they keep their streak of games with two turnovers or more going. Uh, 31-23, Colts reach 500. Chat. Yeah, I'll keep the 30 train going. I've got 30-18. to 18. Uh, That's like, if you do the math, I think that's three touchdowns, three field goals. Might as well ride the hot kicker. Isn't that what Frank said? Yeah, it is. We we didn't talk about that. that that's another podcast we could do completely on, on the kickers. <laughs> but but I, I I do think I like the way this offense is playing. They're not doing anything out of the ordinary. They're not doing anything ex- exceptional. They're, they're just kind of running their offense, which is working. I don't trust the defense. I won't for another month until they do it against somebody good. But they've got this knack of takeaways they they just do they just with, with Darius Leonard starting it so I think the defense gives them if not get to de- a touchdown on their own it's going to set up a touchdown or two so 30-18 which flies totally totally in the face of how this series gone but I think we're due for a series buster that'd be nice said Colts fans that would be nice Colts Jaguars one o'clock Sunday afternoon as the horseshoes hope to get back to 500 and uh, start this uh, second half of the season with a win over their AFC South rivals. We appreciate you listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. From Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins, I'm Dave Griffiths. Once again, download, subscribe, get us delivered to your podcast listening device every week right when we drop. We'll see you next week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. 